Hello, Westside Family Church. I am so excited about being here today in Lenexa. I love our Speedway folks, those of you who are watching online. I want to begin by telling you, for some of you are reminding you, but telling you that Roseanne and I, yes, we raised four children. We have done our part to populate the earth and to bring cool kids into the world. Yeah, four kids. But we learned early on that feeding them as infants was a bit challenging. Any young moms or even moms who remember how hard it was to feed your infant and to get them to eat? But the, the reality is if they don't eat, they cannot grow. And if they don't grow, they cannot live. It's just sort of a, a, a basic duty of good parenting, right? We also learned early on with our infants that you cannot delegate that task to them. That whenever we have tried to do it, the results have always been disastrous and sometimes a bit funny. And apparently we are not alone. Take a look at this. I love that. Those of you who remember those days. Well, here's the deal. The same thing is true in our spiritual lives. We've been learning that there are four movements in the spiritual life development uh, uh, sessions, seasons. There's exploring Jesus, then we growing in Jesus, then we move to close to Jesus, and then we come to Jesus-centered. And just like in our physical lives, we experience a spiritual birth. The scripture tells us at the moment a person makes the decision to move from exploring into growing in Jesus, they are spiritually born. Or as Jesus said to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, you are born again. Your first birth was a physical birth. Your second birth is a spiritual birth. And it is reasonable. It is reasonable when you are a spiritual infant that people like me would feed you the baby food of the word of God so that you can grow up to become spiritual uh, toddlers and spiritual young people. But here's the deal. Eventually, at some point, you're going to need to learn how to cut your own meat and feed yourself, right? And this is what the author of the book of Hebrews, a New Testament book, is trying to get across to the people he is writing to. In Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 11, he says, We have much to say about this, but it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. Now, what the writer here is talking about is he's trying to get across to his readers that Jesus is a priest and that his priestly origins are way more superior to that of the Old Testament practice of Judaism. He's trying to get that across to these Jewish readers. And, um, and, and what he does is he starts to tell them that Jesus isn't a priest from the line or the origin of the Levites, which are the priests you are most familiar with and that started back in 1400 B.C. Moses' brother Aaron started the Levitical priesthood. Aaron was the first priest and then members from the tribe of Levi became the supporters of Aaron and moving forward to do temple worship and temple rituals. So Jesus is not from the tribe of Levi. He's not from the Levitical priesthood, but rather he is from the priesthood of Melchizedek. Yeah, Melchizedek didn't start in 1400 BC, but is an eternal 
priesthood. And he wanted to tell them more about this, but they weren't able to understand it. Now, you've got to keep in mind, these are Jewish, primarily Jewish readers. And what was happening to them is that they had become Christians and their family members were putting pressure on them and even persecuting them for deciding that Jesus Christ of Nazareth was the long-awaited Messiah and they became Christians and the family was persecuting them and pressuring them. And so these early Jewish Christians were backing away from their faith and some of them were walking away from it altogether. And the writer of Hebrews is trying to say to them throughout the entire book, you have no idea. Jesus is far superior than anything you experienced in the Old Testament. Judaism has nothing on this relationship with, with, with uh, Jesus. And uh, the problem is, though, they had stopped growing and they couldn't handle it. They were still spiritual infants. He was trying to serve up to them a plate of meat about the reality of Jesus. But in reality, it would be like serving a baby um, Tuscany stuffed beef tenderloin. A baby in a high chair. Let's take a picture of stuff of that. Mm. Can you imagine a baby, an infant, trying to digest that? <laughs> I don't want to see that diaper. The writer goes on to say in verse 12, he says this. Let's put it on the screen. He says, in fact, speaking to them, by this time you ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk and not solid food. So here's the problem with the readers. Uh, they were not just brand new Christians. Uh, they are Physically in adult bodies, but spiritually they're still infants. And he's saying to them, by this time, as you have moved from exploring to growing, by this time you ought to be able to teach others the fundamental or elementary truths, the early truths of the Christian life. But instead, we got to teach them to you all over again. Now, what are the fundamental truths? What are the, that he's talking about? Elementary truths. If you skip down to Hebrews 6, verses 1 and 2, he least, at least mentions six things that a new Christian should have firmly fixed in their mind and heart. The first one is, is basically repentance. And this is the spiritual concept of how one changes their mind and turns away from sin. Okay? That's a fundamental truth. The second one is faith in God and how that in this turning to God, you are also trusting God with your very life. That's an elementary truth. Okay? Another one is baptism. He's talking here about the importance that a brand new Christian would get baptized because it is important to go public with Jesus. Uh, a, a person who's maturing in their faith has been baptized. The next one, he's referring to the laying on of hands. That's a kind of an odd one, but it's a fundamental truth. And it's the importance of corporate prayer. Early on, you need to see the value and the importance of corporate prayer. You've heard us, matter of fact, we did it last week, invite you to extend a hand to somebody, right? We invited you to do that, and usually we're on stage, and we're placing our hands, laying our hands on somebody who's sick, or laying our hands on someone who's taking on a new assignment. This is the value of corporate worship, and that is that laying on a hands experience. The next one is called repentance 
uh, or resurrection of the dead. Resurrection of the dead is a basic, fundamental, biblical truth that a baby Christian should get because this is the hope that believers have. Life doesn't end when we take our life breaths, but there is life and a resurrection that is coming. Can I get an amen? That's foundational. It's foundational. You got to get that early on, fixed in your mind, live by it. And then he refers to eternal judgment. No, what he wants that, but it's true. And your early Christian life, it's a fundamental. What is it? That there is, after this life, there is a heaven and a hell. And that Jesus Christ is returning to judge the earth and to establish his eternal kingdom. Those are just six of the foundational truths truths you need to have firmly fixed in your mind in these early stages. Now, he finishes this chapter with a very strong challenge. Verses 13 and 14. Anyone who lives on milk, still being an infant, is not acquainted with teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. So at this point, you shouldn't be feeding on baby food and milk. You should be taking in the meat of the word. And the meat of the word, he uses the phrase, it's, it is uh, teaching uh, about righteousness and the ability to discern good and evil. As you move forward in your Christian life, moving from growing in Jesus to close to Jesus, it's not just about taking in facts about the Bible, but you're learning how to apply the Bible to your actual everyday life. And many of the truths about living out the Christian life are not milk, they are the meat of the word. So you have to be able to take in, understand, digest, and learn how to use the meat of the word to change your daily life. And I have to tell you, if you don't know this already, based on my background and how God's wired me, I love to serve up meat. I love to serve up meat, man. And I do everything I can to serve it up to you, but I know that 50% of you are right here and it's a bit hard to digest it, so I cut it up into little pieces. I puree it. I do whatever I can. But I want you to have the meat because it's the meat that really begins to transform your life. Let me give you an example of this. You may not have recognized it. So uh, my last book I wrote is called His Mighty Strength. And I did a four or five week sermon series on it uh, this last year, okay? Uh, This puppy here, you may not have known it, was a plate of Tuscany uh, stuffed beef tenderloin. What I was seeking to do uh, with this book was to reconcile the hypostatic union of the full divinity and the full humanity of Jesus through not ontological but functional canonic Christology. Yeah, baby. That's what I was, that's what I served up to you, but you didn't recognize it as such, did you? You know what that's called? That's right up there with the order of Melchizedek. I mean, that is like beefy stuff, but I didn't want you to be impressed with me like I hope you are now, all right? I wanted it to have impact on your life because you know why? Because the application of what I just said and all those fancy words, the application is this. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Yeah, did you get that? That meat 
results in learning how to tap into the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. And if you learn how to apply that, you set yourself apart from the vast of humanity. What an advantage that is. So please encourage me to serve you up some meat for breakfast, right? Mm-hmm. Now, uh, then he goes on uh, to say, you might have noticed it. He goes on to say, who by constant use have trained themselves who by constant use have trained themselves. The notion or the idea, hear me out, 50% of you right now are right here, which is fantastic. If you ever hope to move from here to here, you're going to have to move from depending completely on people like me to spoon feed you the word of God, and you're gonna have to learn to feed yourself. It's essential, or you're going to stay right there. You're gonna be just like the people he was writing to in the book of Hebrews. Fully, full physical adults and yet still spiritual infants. What I wanted to do was give you sort of an image to sort of burn into your brain of what that really looks like. And so uh, I'm gonna ask if um, our online host, some of you when you watch online see Ty, uh, and I'm gonna ask him to come out and burn an image into your mind. Hi, Ty. It's so great to, yes, I want you to sit on that. Uh Uh-huh, yeah. There you go, Uh uh-huh. There you go, okay. Now there you go, baby Ty. There you go, let's put this bib on you here. And, uh, well, you know, baby Ty, um, here's the deal. I'm gonna serve you up some food today. What do we have here today? Oh, we have Gerber's. Yeah, organic apple, yummy, yummy, yummy. It's all mushed up, and and here's the deal, baby Ty, if you eat all of this, I'll take you to the park later, yeah. And we'll play on the swing set and all of that. Uh Uh-huh, yeah. Come on, baby, this is good for you. You ready? Here's the airplane, it's coming down. Oh, look at the airplane, look at it, see? Oh, it's gonna be fun, it's coming for a landing. There we go. Wasn't that good? Only a hundred more bites to take. Yeah. Isn't this ridiculous? This is what the writer is saying. By this time, you should be eating the milk. You should be eating the meat of the word, but I'm serving you pureed applesauce. Let's give it up for time. You'll never forget that as long as you live, okay? So what does this mean to you? What does it mean to you is, again, 50% of our congregation is right here, and it is our desire for you to move to close to Jesus because, man, you start really living at a whole nother level at close to Jesus. We've got to get you there, and what we desperately want you to do is we want you to take your next step, okay? The, the writers uh, uh, of the book Follow Me, uh, who are the ones that are behind the reveal survey that we've taken to find out where you're at, said this uh, in their book on page 63. In movement one, speaking of the movement from exploring to growing, people allow the church to carry much of the responsibility for their spiritual development. In movement two, that is growing to close to Jesus, that scenario changes radically. People take on much more responsibility for their spiritual growth as they come to grips with the truth that a personal God is actively present and involved in their daily life experiences. 
So we need to move you, the vast majority of you, to a place where you can feed yourself and take on a bigger diet of the meat of the word of God. And the truth is, we know how to get you there if you will come along with us. And like last week, we want to talk about the top things you can do as it relates to your beliefs, the top beliefs, the top involvement. How do you narrow down your focus with us right now if you're here and wanting to move here? And finally, uh, two spiritual practices, the two primary spiritual practices that if you will focus on will move you from here to here. Are you ready for them? Okay, here we go. As it relates to your beliefs, as your beliefs, we covered some last week. This week, there are two primary ones. Number one, number two, vanilla chocolate ice cream. The first one is called personal God. If you're taking notes, write that down. Personal God. You've got to get this one figured out in your mind and your heart. What is personal God? I believe God is involved in and cares about my daily life. People who move from growing to close uh, move from a place where they're learning about God to realizing that God is involved in every aspect of their life. It's moving away from thinking that God is a, is a distant God of ancient times to a here and now God, up close and personal, 24-7. He's watching you right now, and he loves you and still likes you. You got to get to the place where you see that. And here's the other thing you got to get to the place where you trust that even though things don't seem, from your point of view, to be going really well in your life right now, you get to the place where you trust that God is working it out for the good as you align your life to His will. That's a big deal. If you're going to move to this new place where it's so awesome, you got to really fix that and believe that in your mind and your heart, okay? Now, speaking of living out the will of God, the second one, which was not required of you here, the second one is called authority of the Bible. The authority of the Bible. Authority of the Bible means that I believe the Bible has decisive authority over what I say and do. If you're going to move to close to Jesus, you've got to give up on this one and give the Bible authority. You've got to believe that the Bible is the actual word of God that is seeking to take you to a better place than you could ever get to on your own. The psalmist said that it is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We've got to get you to the place where you're not just digging into the Bible uh, to learn facts about God, but now you're digging into the Bible, chewing on it like a dog does a bone, Arr! to find direction for your actual life. We've got to get you to the place, listen to this, this is where we're going to lose many of you. We've got to get you to the place where you give the Bible so much authority over your life that you will obey it even when you don't fully understand it, and most importantly, when you don't like what it's telling you to do. And if you don't give the Bible that kind of authority in your life, you're going to be stuck here for the rest of your life, a full-grown adult still requiring a bib and Gerber's baby food. Okay? So those are two beliefs. Now, when it comes to your church activity, there's so many things to do at Westside. We're going to recommend two specific things for you. Okay? The first thing is called essential, essential classes. 
and this is why we're doing this series, because we know that the majority of our people are here and that one of the key catalysts of things that we can do to help you get to here is to make sure that you are rooted, as the author of Hebrews says, in the fundamental, elementary, basic essentials of the faith. We've got to get you there in order for you to move. And that's why we have created more than just a sermon series. We have created the eight essential classes of Westside. And we have invited you to pick up this book. You can download it online. And then we also have a schedule of when we're offering these classes. You can either take them, do them in your small group. You can take them as a class here or at Speedway, or you can do them online. And we're inviting you over the next two to three years to lay out a journey where you go through all eight basic, fundamental, essential experiences so that once and for all, once and for all, you've got the basics and fundamental foundation so you can get on with the real awesome Christian life. And here's the deal. Whenever you finish a class, we give you a sticker <laughs> to put on that class. The goal class is eight stickers. Uh-huh, yeah. Super serious about the stickers uh, for sure. Now, <clears throat> the next one is, uh, that you've got to, uh, if you're going to move from growing to close to Christ, is what we're calling A to Community. Now, for us, that's language of West Side. It just simply means we've got to get you into a smaller group. A2 stands for Acts chapter 2, and it is the chapter in the Bible where the church is birthed, and they're gathering together in homes, a small group of them, and the way in which they live their life just catalyzed their growth in Jesus Christ, and it changed the world. We want the same thing for you. So we've got to get you to a place where we have, um, we got to get you to a place where you're living on mission with a small group of people. We've got to get you to the place where you're not, your growth is not dependent upon looking at the back of someone's head, which is what you're doing right now. We got to get you to where you're in a circle looking at each other in the eye. We got to get you to the place where you're not just sitting next to each other, but you're doing life together. We know for a fact that if you don't have a small band of believers around you, we call them A2 communities, then you're going to have a very difficult time moving from growing to close. And this is a great place to be. Now, if you're looking at classes, I would suggest uh, that uh, Think Like Jesus is really good for these. We're going to cover the eight essential beliefs of the Christian life, the foundational, and these are two that are very important to you. Here we've got the eight essential classes, and then one of our essential classes here is called A2 Boot Camp. It's like a six-week experience. You go through it, you learn about what it is, and then we help get you set up for this essential experience to move you from growing to close. Now the last one is your spiritual practices. What is it as you're training uh, uh, to become more like Jesus, what are the spiritual disciplines, if you're an athlete, what are the spiritual disciplines you need to focus on to grow and develop to this next stage? And here's the thing we've been telling you. Uh, of the eight spiritual practices that we cover in Act Like Jesus, one of our essentials, there are two of them that turn out to be the number one and number two spiritual catalyst, whether you're moving from exploring to growing, growing to close, close to Jesus-centered. They're the same two. And it's amazing because they're the two that are mentioned in Acts chapter 2 at the opening of the church. The first one is Bible engagement. Bible engagement. And here, what we're trying to do is get you from getting started with the Bible 
to getting into it more frequently. Here, we just wanted you to crack it open, to read a verse, right? But here, we need to get you into the word of God more frequently, and we've got to get you to the place where you're looking at it, not just to learn, but you're looking at it for how it's going to change your life. The second one is prayer. Prayer is absolutely essential. And what we're trying to do is move you from getting started with prayer here to getting you more frequently engaging in a conversation with God. And here we're trying to move you from, we're trying to move you from giving God his to-do list for the day, like he's like a genie in the bottle, just kind of rub it, to literally getting to know him and to listening to him. And, uh, and, and that's really pretty cool, which is really the cool thing about what we've just launched uh, with our um, uh, fasting and prayer is an opportunity, a prompt for you to pray every single day for 40 days, getting you to move from praying occasionally or when you're in trouble to praying every single day to God. Okay. Now, a couple things I'd recommend here uh, for you is um, we've got an essential class called This is a Bible. You can also take Act Like Jesus for this. And here you've got the opportunity of taking uh, Act Like Jesus, or we have a specific essential called Pray Like Jesus. Now, back here on Bible Engagement, all throughout the year, we're going to give you opportunities to engage the Word of God. Come alongside with us, and we're going to help you open up and begin to feed yourself exciting opportunity that's coming up is the eight weeks leading up to Easter or a period in church we call Lent. We're going to be engaging in a study in the life of Jesus. I'll be talking along with some other teachers out of the Gospel of John on the seven I am statements of Jesus from the Gospel of John. Those are pretty cool. And listen to this. Then we're going to encourage you to be in a small group, maybe your existing A2 group, or maybe you're going to form one for the very first time. Just for eight weeks, we have seven episodes of the life of Jesus performing the seven miracles out of the Gospel of John. And you're going to hear the Gospel of John word for word in this episode and have an opportunity to simply discuss what you saw and how it affected you. This is a very important and and critical way for you to get Bible engagement along with the spiritual community you need. And then we're going to invite you to listen to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John for 10 minutes a day for 40 days. And you will get through, listen to this, all all four Gospels in 40 days. 10 minutes a day. We're going to keep trying to serve you up the opportunity for you to engage in the word of God for yourself. Okay? Now, what I want to do to wrap up is like I did last week, I want to take all this information that's coming at you. You feel like, man, I'm in college class again. Oh my gosh, what's going on here? Uh, I want to wrap it in flesh. And I I want to take a, a normal, everyday Kansas City person who's been on this journey and has moved, last week we talked to Mike Lewis-Jones and his move from exploring to growing. And this week we're going to talk to a Westsider who is moving from growing to close to Jesus. Would you like to hear a story? Yeah? Okay, let's welcome to the stage a Speedway member. Her name is Jen Merrick. Let's give it up for her. Jen, thank you for, so much for telling your story. I know it can be a little bit nerve-wracking. we got so much to cover, so let's dive right in. Are you ready? Let's do it. Okay, let's start uh, in the early days, okay? okay. Uh, you were born at a very early age, I heard? Yes, I was. Okay. So I was born in Oklahoma, um, and we were not a very religious family. Okay. Um, we went to, you know, Christmas. Didn't really do a lot. Uh-huh. Christmas and Easter? Christmas, yes, there's two main... And we call those creasters. You know, kind of Christmas and Easter. You know what I like to do at Easter services? 
I, I like to say to the people who only come at Christmas and Easter, mm -hmm. I say, let me be the first to wish you a Merry Christmas. Because <laughs> that's the next time we're going to see you. I can you. relate to that. It's okay. So, so that's how you grew up. So that's yeah. how I grew up, right. Um, I went to a Catholic school in fifth and sixth grade. Okay. And I was, I was just fascinated by the, the pomp and circumstance. The, mm -hmm. Everybody knew the words. Everybody knew to, when to stand, when to sit. It was all, everybody was connected. And I really liked that. Everybody knew what to do. And so you asked your mom if you could become Catholic, right? I did. And so you did. I did. And you, at, at that stage in your life, uh, you really loved the ritual and all that was mm -hmm. going on. It was working for you. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's fast forward now to your college days. Did you kind of like stay with that? Absolutely not. Right. I right. went the opposite way yeah. in, in college. So as we as said to Mike, I say to you, uh, congratulations, you are a, an American statistic. Yes. The number of people who start off with some spiritual energy uh, and, and die out by their high school and college years mm -hmm. is like the majority of people. So you are average, way yes. to go. Okay, so you're, you're in college and you've kind of dropped away from that. But you had a friend. I had a friend and she, had very, she was very faithful to Jesus, her parents are very faithful, and she just had this sense of peace and calm uh -huh. that was so amazing to me. Mm -hmm. um, and so I would try to be with them as, as much as I as I could. So you were drawn to them, and that's when you became a Christian, right? No. Right. No. Oh, hold out. Hold out. Hold out. So you're still, still over, over here. here. You're still over here. Okay. Now let's fast forward. Uh, you're, you're, you're moved to Kansas City, now the work yeah. days and busy mm -hmm. life. Let's talk yep, about that. Yeah, absolutely. So I moved to Kansas City in 1999. Okay. Um, met my husband, Craig, and we got married in 2003. Okay. We ha he was raised Catholic, so we were married in the Catholic Church. We okay. did all the things we were supposed to do. And then um, I so got at this pregnant. Point, yeah, so at this point, you guys are starting, you're, you're, you're actually, as a married couple, you are going to the Catholic Church. It may have been more Every week. Craig's influence or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. you're doing that. Yes. And then in 05, you got pregnant. Got pregnant, yep, um, with our daughter Riley. Um, my friend from college was pregnant at the same time with, with a, a girl. Okay. Um, and so we kind of did that whole pregnancy thing together, baby showers and everything. Um, Did you do your baby showers together even? She hosted my baby shower okay. and then her baby shower is right. So it was like you guys are together. Like neck we're, and neck. We're, we're there. Mm -hmm. We're there. Um, I was due about a month before her. I uh -huh. had Riley on St. Patrick's Day. Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, probably a week after that, my friend called and said that the baby had died. Yeah. I mean, we're like talking just a month or so, a month away from being yes. delivered, which is really devastating. But yes. you noticed something in her, didn't you? She was not in a padded cell, which is where I would have been. Yeah. She was devastated, of course, um, but she had a calmness and a peace about her because she knew that God had a plan, yeah. and that was part of the plan, and she could cling to that. And this unnerved you a little bit, didn't it? I it mean, freaked me out. It freaked you out, right? And yes. you're thinking, there's something she's got yes. that I don't, yes. right? Is that when you became a Christian? No! Way to go, Jen, man. The holdout of all times. Okay. I'm slow. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so now let's fast forward to 2020, okay? Let's do. Yeah, so more is going on in your life than just a global pandemic. Tell mm -hmm. us kind of what's going on uh, on a drive one day. Yeah, so I'm Speedway Campus, live over in Wynot County, woohoo. Um, and I'm driving down Leavenworth Road. And I just get this sense and this feeling and these words, I miss you. Yeah. And I just, I, I felt this longing 
for for God that I that I hadn't really experienced before. Yeah. So we talked about this last week with Mike uh, when he was at boot camp and he went mm -hmm. to the chapel experience and he's just overwhelmed with this emotion that that's the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. The Holy Spirit is on the outside of you at this point and he's wooing you, convicting you, drawing you into this relationship with God. So God's getting all over you now, drawing you to Himself. Yeah. And uh, what happened? Pretty soon after that. Pretty soon after that, I was invited to a Bible study. Mm -hmm. um, Tracy Jervis is mm -hmm. a, a friend of mine, and she invited a group of us to an online Bible study. This is right when COVID hit and everybody right. shut down. So you said yes to it? I did. What, what, was, uh, were you freaked out about this? I was, because I was like, you... What do you? The, here's the Bible. Here's my life. How do you? How does that work together? So at this point, you've never opened up a Bible oh, no, for really. yourself at all. So this is like, oh my yeah. gosh, this is yeah. pretty cool. You do this. This yeah. is a thing you do, and yeah. So was it a good experience for you? Oh my gosh, it was great. These women were amazing, and they were they were reading the Bible and they were using the words to live their lives, and it was just, it was pretty amazing. Wow. So is it the moment you became a Christian? No. Oh wow. Okay. <laughs> So you gotta um, knock me on the head. Yeah, yeah. Times. So what did you do? What did you do after that? You're in the Bible study. What happened? In the Bible study, I found out that the Bible study was um, the the women were from Westside. Yeah. And lo and behold, there is a Westside church at the corner of my block. Yeah. Yeah. It was sitting there all yeah, along. Sitting there all along. Yeah. That's right. But you're like a dense person. But I'm person. totally dense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll own that. I'm fine with that. I don't mean to be critical. No, no, you're but good. I, yeah, I, I speak yeah. the truth. I own. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I, okay, let's see. So after that, I went online to mm -hmm. the Westside app or online and was just looking at what was going on. What could I do? How could I get involved? How could I learn more? Mm -hmm. And I found Starting Point. You found Starting Point, which is one of our eight essential classes. It's a great place to start for someone mm -hmm. who keeps holding out. <laughs> and, uh, and But in addition to that, your uh, brother-in-law, right? Yes, my brother-in-law, Chad, mm -hmm. and my nephew, Noah, were baptized at the Speedway location. And that was my first time So there. you walk into it, and what did you experience there? There... <laughs> I'm used to a very solemn, uh -huh. quiet, you don't talk out of, uh -huh. you know, and um. we had our hands going and people were jumping around and it was crazy. Yeah, just a little note uh, for those of you at Lenexa, our Speedway people I, are <laughs> crazy. I mean, the they best. get their worship on yes. and they're moving. And so yes. this is like freaking yes. you out, but freaking in a good out. way, right? Yeah, absolutely. It was and like my heart. I was feeling <laughs> something, you know? Yeah. It was like, it felt right. And so you start, you starting point with Sandy, Sandy Rowland. Yes, uh, yes. Who, uh, who goes to Speedway. Mm -hmm. And uh, so you take this class and what kind of, uh, what did you learn there at starting point? So the whole time I was at attending the church and, and, and raising my children in the church, I was basically doing a checklist. Uh -huh. um, go to mass have the kids go to, go to a religious education, do this. You know, I had a checklist. Yeah. Um, I realized during this starting point that, that church, that God is not performance-based. Yeah. And none of that, what I do doesn't matter. Just the fact that I have Jesus Christ in my heart and I believe he's my Lord and Savior. And that's, that's it. And I'm in. Yeah. And it's like, woo! It I was mean, crazy. It's a to basic me. idea, but it's overwhelming. Because, it's overwhelming. So because back when you were raising your kids, mm -hmm. uh, after your friend lost their baby, you're raising yeah. your two kids, mm -hmm. uh, Riley and Brody, mm -hmm. and uh, you and your husband stopped going to mass. Yeah, moving in the wrong direction there. Uh, but you started taking your kids to religious classes, somehow yeah. thinking, hey, you know, we graduated from church, you know, whatever, we're going to take them to religious classes. Right. So why were you doing that? 
Well, it's what you did. Uh -huh. You know, you did the things. But then I was thinking in the back of my head, if they ever wanted to marry a Catholic person, they would be ready because they would have all of their sacraments done. Right. So I was, I was being a good mother and preparing them for the future. So they could get married in a Catholic church, yeah. which is a cool thing. Good Absolutely. mother. You're not going. You're not participating. Not you're just all. getting them set up. You know, like, wow, you're not making much progress in these days. Uh, I'm checking the things off the list. Okay, so let's do this. And so you want to check off confirmation, you know, for Brody. <sighs> And yes, so what did you do to get him through, listen to this church, what did you do <laughs> to get to Brody this. through his confirmation class? I may have helped write his uh, essay, his saint essay to get through confirmation. Yeah, you know that's just so wrong on so many levels, you know. <laughs> you know, I'm helping my son become spiritual <laughs> by writing his spiritual paper, you know. Wow, yeah, you're a mess. I'm but now help. you're in starting point and, uh, and this light dawns on you yes. that it's not a performance that I don't have to be good enough, mm -hmm. that Jesus was enough, mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and that's pretty exciting. So oh, is that when you decided? No. Now you have. No way. <laughs> We're trying I'm, hard I'm, here. Yeah, I'm tiptoeing. So her. what did you do next? So next, I wanted to be more involved. Okay. Um, because I felt I needed to learn more before I could really dive in, right? Mm -hmm. So I, um, oh, I did get connected uh -huh. with Amy Demiturko. Which is another one of our yes. eight essential classes. Okay. Which I found on the website. Okay. And then I did my shape assessment, which allowed me to kind of see areas that I could help and serve in the church. Okay. So here you are uh, feeling a sense of belonging even before you're believing. And if you remember last week, we said the number one church activity to catalyze and explore to growing is to serve in the church. And mm -hmm. you fell right into that and began serving. Where did mm -hmm. you start serving? I started serving in uh, First Impressions. Okay. So I loved, I didn't know anybody. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I knew a few people that, that go to the church, but there were so many people I didn't know, so I loved getting to introduce myself and hugging people and saying hi and welcoming people in for services. So you started, to, so is that when you became no. a Christian? Okay, no, so, I did that, yeah. Okay, what'd you do next? Did that for quite a while. Um, I was in Sandy's small group, so mm -hmm. I was still getting, you know, fed every mm -hmm. week, if you will. And then probably six months later, um, I, I called Sandy and I said, I, I want to be baptized. I want, I want you there. And so I was, I was ready at that point to publicly proclaim I had finally gotten it together. Wow. So you have this nudging as a little five-year-old, six-year-old, and now 2020, you're introduced to the awesome people at Westside being Jesus awesome. out there. And then it was a year later, March 2021, mm -hmm. that you went all in for Jesus, yes. right? Yes. Yeah, we have a yes. picture of your baptism up yeah. at Speedway. Let's yeah. give it up for Jen. Woo! That is pretty cool. Mm -hmm. yep. and, uh, and so now, uh, what did you do after all of this? So after that, I just wanted to be around these people more and, and learn and, and, and grow. And so I started serving with uh, youth ministry. Uh -huh. So I help, I help, yeah, woohoo! Um, so I help middle school, work with the middle school and high schoolers, and they feed me. Mm -hmm. Hopefully I, I'm, you know, helping them out and not being crazy, but I, I just, I love it. And then the, the final thing is, which is like kind of full circle. Yeah. And so now, what are you doing? In February, February 10th, I believe, I am helping Sandy uh, lead a starting point group. So you went from, Super isn't that excited. pretty cool? You, you went from being in it, and now, yeah. at this time, you ought to be teaching others. And by golly, that's what you're doing. You're going to be helping others make mm -hmm. this journey. I believe, Jen, that you are well on your way to moving from growing in Jesus now, just a year later, into close to Jesus. How does it feel? 
it feels like it's about time yeah. and it feels pretty amazing. Yeah. Just life changing. That's pretty good. Let's give it up for Jen for sharing her story. Thank you so much. Good to see you. I'm not okay. All right. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity of uh, just seeing your word and just trying to woo, to trying to encourage, to trying to prod, doing whatever we can to move a person from where they're at to being closer to you because we know it is the most amazing life possible. And so we pray that your Holy Spirit, just like you moved in the life of Mike Lewis-Jones, and just like you're, you moved in the life of Jen Merrick, that you would right now feel free to move in the life of everybody who's listening, everybody who's watching, and woo them to yourself to take their next step. And we know all of this has been made possible through Jesus Christ. And it's in his name and by his authority we pray. Amen. Church, I want you to now join me. Uh, in the sharing of a meal, since we've been talking about meals the whole time. This is the best meal of all. Jesus asked us that every time we gather together that we would remember him until he comes back. This bread represents the body of Jesus. Church, the body of Christ. The new sounds of communion. Church, the blood of Jesus. Now, Lord, receive this worship from our hearts. Amen.